This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, with somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm good. I, uh, you know, I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling confident. I, uh, you know, we're Patriots Day week here, so we're just on the, the second half of April, and I started to formulate a training plan um, for our mileage challenge, so... Yeah, May 1st, we're going to get into gear here and, and start re- ready to roll. So you guys should should be worried. I'm, I'm, uh, I got it all planned out. I'm not worried at all. I just posted my best workout in probably the past three and a half years to Strava this afternoon. Trent and I are already miles ahead of you for this miles challenge, Mike. So, you know, do your best. Do, do your best. Do your best. But Trent and I are, are, are already out here grinding. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Gentlemen, I'm okay. I, I think I need to start this off with a little confessional, though. I have been, you know, just a split shorts, you know, short running shorts guy for a long time. And I've ridiculed Mike, especially for being someone who would wear some longer shorts or defend it. And a couple times in the last week, due to some laundry situation, I've gone out with just like the boxer briefs under a pair of, you know, basketball shorts or, or soccer shorts. What are you back in high school? What is this? What are you doing? This is why it's a confessional. I was, I was not prepared to have this take on it. I was going to tell you guys how bad it was because I didn't want to wear some shorts that were too smelly, but uh, it went well, boys. I, I kind of felt good at everything. Like, you know, it held in place and I just, I, I, I might have to just like incorporate that back into some, it's not take over the running shorts. There's still a, a home for the split shorts or running shorts, but I cannot like, you know, crap on people that are wearing, you know, normal size shorts again. Trent, I am almost exclusively a boxer briefs underneath the basketball shorts. What? So like in, in our like races. What is and, like, wrong with you people? Like I remember, I remember Riley Masters kind of like made fun of me if our video because i was wearing the split shorts in our in our chunder mile so like for our videos i usually you know dig up the the split shorts ironically mostly but i mean i it's been a long time since i uh you know i think previous to college i was a a boxer briefs and shorts guy and then in college i kind of got peer pressured into conforming and i i've slowly made my way back to to where i belong I'm speechless. What is yeah. wrong with you people? Mike, you're an adult. You have a job. Buy some friggin' running shorts. No, see, I still, like, own, like, five or six pairs, but none of them fit me anymore. They're all, like, the tiny ones from college. So it's, like, I just – it was the perfect excuse to move back to, you know, to my roots. Steve, I – I never thought I'd have this reaction. I have, even in high school, I was a running shorts guy from day one. I never messed around with them. In college, you mess around with a little spandex because that's a little fun to, to pretend like you're, you know, a fast 400 runner or something on your runs. You get the little spandex, you mix it in. But I never thought I would say it, but I don't know. 
it just it just everything felt you guys are insane listen i'm not a short short wearer anymore like i just did an 800 meter repeat workout and i was wearing nine inch shorts but they were running shorts the difference of like a good running short and basketball shorts with box like guys guys grow up grow up for me one time like what what are we talking about right now you're jogging down the street in running shorts and people expect things of you. You're running down the street in but basketball. You shorts, can buy cotton, my whole a little point. Cotton is you tea, can... little cotton tea action. Nobody expects anything of you. You're just out there, hobby jogging, doing your thing, and you know, living living your life, Steve. Mike, my whole point is you can buy running shorts now that don't necessarily look like running shorts, but they, but but they perform like running shorts. I mean, I mean, I, I. I I'm speak like this is this is blowing my mind. You guys are just I don't know if I can associate with you guys anymore. I want to be clear. This has nothing to do with like a style thing. Like I still believe in the nice short short or the long short running shorts. Like running short style is it, that's it, that's a separate argument. That's that's for Mike to have with you. I'm just saying the performance of like a spandex or or a nice fitting boxer brief was a pleasant surprise and i will not be you know ignoring that option when i pick up my running attire moving forward you know you know what's a move i do sometimes is if i'm maybe running low on the the boxer briefs and you know i gotta save them up for for the work week i will dig up my old split shorts that i just clearly can't wear out in public anymore but i'll wear them underneath my basketball shorts so i still i have the running shorts on underneath but the basketball shorts to cover them up a little bit. That's awful. That's yeah, awful. Like, I mean, what, no, it's, what were the what were the odds on that that Matsuyama bet that you hit last week? That'd be uh, plus four thousand. Okay, take some of that money, a small percentage of it, and just invest in a couple pair of new running shorts. And well, hold on, I'm gonna stop because I just realized something. Mike, you don't run, so it doesn't matter. Well, that, that's but Trent and I are out here grinding, getting ready for the miles challenge. You're announcing your starting. So actually, actually, your opinion doesn't matter because you don't no, it run. Does. So no, does. no, no, that's it. That's exactly. I'm a man of the people, Steve. You know, I'm your your everyday hobby jogger. You know, they they want my opinion. They don't want your pompous opinion about how you don't want to associate with people who wear running shorts. That's it's not that's pompous. the that's the, the exact culture that we're trying to to diminish in this sport they're trying to get rid of, of functionality is this like if you if you don't wear, wear split shorts then you're you're not good enough for our i sport, haven't steve. i haven't worn that, split no, shorts steve, in years steve, steve doesn't steve doesn't care about the people he doesn't care about the two crew i haven't worn split shorts in years but i have some very very nice seven inch nine inch running shorts that don't make me look like a runner but function perfectly go invest in some some running shorts i can't even have this conversation anymore i'm getting too angry for this but guys, so we're gonna move on. I'm done with this conversation. Mike, you're wrong. Buy some damn running shorts. No. Okay. Well, when you're all chafed up and miserable in the middle of the mileage challenge, and Trent and I are are the only two competing for the win on day two, then you know you can you can go cry yourself to sleep because you won't find any sympathy from me. Precious legs in New England, Steve. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. We actually should put that on a t-shirt. Precious legs That's in New actually, England. That would be a great, actually not a, be a great idea. merch. Not we copyright that. that. My, cut yeah. that, cut that, that, that's going on a shirt. I no, like that idea. <laughs> All right. So I went to the Red Sox game yesterday. So as of today, today is, is Patriots today. Today is the day 
that is supposed to be the Boston Marathon. We're recording a Monday, recording a day early here. Um, it's a little depressing that there's no Boston Marathon today. But I went to the Red Sox game yesterday, and the Red Sox were wearing their yellow uniforms with the blue writing. So kind of their, their essentially their Boston Marathon unings, uniforms. They have the 617 patch on the side. Awesome. Looked so cool. Um, and I was there for a, a doubleheader. So they played in the afternoon. They played at night. I had tickets to the first game. We bought tickets to the second game. So I was at Fenway all day. We show up. You know, I get a, I get a hot dog. I get a bag of peanuts. I get a, I get a beer. We're there nice and early just because I'm excited to be back at Fenway. It was so good to be back in a state. Like, to be back in Fenway, back in a baseball stadium, and to watch live sports again. Just like, I, I'm not going to lie. That, that I took a sip of Miller Lite, first bite into that Fenway Frank. It was a little emotional. It was like, this. it's just nice to be back. And I sit down, and we're there well before the game. So I open up my phone. I'm kind of scrolling Twitter a little bit. Turns out, Des Linden throwing out the first pitch at Fenway, right? So, I mean, it was just collision of worlds. You know, I'm at, I'm at Fenway Park. Boston Marathon champ is throwing out the, the first pitch. But anyways, I'm getting all excited. I'm videotaping. I'm tweeting at Des Linden and Josh Cox. They're retweeting me. They're sharing our story on, on Instagram. It was very cool. Kind of had like a funny little back and forth with them on social media. But so I have my phone out ready to watch the first pitch, expecting Des Linden to come out to the mound and throw the first pitch of the Red Sox game. <laughs> there's nobody walking out to the mound and I have to cut to the center field. It turns out that you're not allowed there in order because of COVID and cutting down on the amount of people on the field, they're throwing the first pitch from center field. And it was like, Des did a great job. It was very cool to say it, see her out there, but the act of throwing the first pitch from the center field bleachers down to a ball girl, just on the warning track was like the lamest thing in the world. I mean, like, come on, like, let's come up with something a little bit better. But anyways, I, I, I put it on social media. I put a uh, rookie of the year. If you know, you know, um, you know, that was a reference to the movie rookie of the year where the kid is in center field and he, he hums the, hums the ball baseball to the catcher at home plate, but very cool to see Des at Des at Fenway. And it was just kind of, like I said, uh, uh, you know, my worlds are colliding here. Well, yeah. So can we break down the um, the uniforms real quick? Because I do think that that is applicable to the running world, right? The the Red Sox had this homage to the Boston Marathon, and they took the color scheme, like you said, right Steve. Now. Steve's wearing it. They used the font of the, the finish line. Very, very cool. I love the uniform. My only complaint is, and I, I guess this year it's not the biggest deal in the world because – the, the marathon didn't happen. But the fact that we're not wearing those uniforms on Patriots Day is wildly stupid. You're missing... I mean, in future years, I hope they, they change this so that these uniforms, the blue and yellow Boston Marathon uniforms, are being worn the day of the Boston Marathon. Like, doesn't that make sense? I don't know. That, that would they, be my only complaint. They still went with the 11 a.m. start, too. So they went right. with, yeah. like, as They were as keeping normal. the whole tradition... They just didn't wear the new, brand new, like so, shiny Boston Marathon jerseys. I see where you're coming from, and it's. I think it's very cool, very cool that the Red Sox are like, we want to do something Boston Marathon specific, and to radically change, like, like not even close to their color scheme, to do something on their uniforms. It's a, it's a yellow uniform with blue writing. It looks like the UCLA colors with the with the B on it, which is, I mean, like, it was 
very, very cool. And credit to the Red Sox for recognizing like the, the Boston Marathon's connection to the city and how important the whole Boston Marathon, Patriots Day, Red Sox game is connected. And it's very, very cool to see that from one of the major sports connecting with the sport of running. Awesome. But Mike, I expect this argument from the entire running world Except know, from except from I you. Know what you're gonna you, say. Oh, let me let me finish. Say. Let me let me let me say it. Let, so the people but understand. I have a so the people understand. The uniforms that are worn on Patriots Day are extremely important to the city. They're extremely important to the Red Sox because after the Boston Marathon bombing, they did change up the uniform slightly. They went with an all-white uniform. They, it usually says Red Sox on the chest. They went with Boston across the chest on the hometown and the Boston strong patch. And so I give credit to the Red Sox being like, hey, we want to show our connection to the marathon, but also saying, hey, this uniform that we did after the Boston Marathon bombing has become iconic and important to this team. And we're going to run that uniform back on Patriots Day. So like I said, I expect this argument from the rest of the running world, not on this podcast. That Boston, Boston Strong uniform is very important on Patriots Day. Yeah, and I, I knew that was the argument you were going to bring. I knew you were going to say it. But why not, why not wear the white with Boston on it, like, the entire week? Do it like they did this week. Wear the week, the, do it during the weekend, and then the entire rest of the week. Do an entire week wearing that uniform, and then – Boom, on Marathon Monday, you wear the marathon colors. Because the, the, the yellow, yellow uniform is something fun, different to show your connection to the marathon. The Boston uniform is important for that day. All right. I, I, I'll concede. I'll lay down my weapon. I, I mean, the, just the iconic picture and video of Big Poppy standing there in the middle of the field with his today, hand up today saying this, this – this don't this uniform don't say Red Sox. They say Boston. Exactly. It says it yeah, says Boston on it. And then he says, This is our fucking city. And like that is one of the coolest moments in Boston sports history. One of the coolest moments in sports history. You know as well as I do how important that uniform is on that day. My one of my favorite stories about that game, because Steve, our dad and little brother were at that game when David or T's dropped the, the hard F-bomb. You know, the crowd was buzzing. It was loud. And he's giving a speech, and everyone's kind of getting emotional. And uh, so it, I can understand how it would be hard to, hard to hear. But when he, when he went in to say that, they couldn't really hear exactly what he said. So I don't remember if it was my dad said to my brother the other way around. They're like, what, what did he say? And he's like, I think he said, this is our funky city. <laughs> so they left, they left the game thinking that David Ortiz got up in front of the entire crowd and said, this is our funky city, man. <laughs> Mike, can you give some more big poppy impersonations? You got it pretty yeah. good. You got it down. I yeah, think maybe, I, I, maybe I should stop with the, the impression. Keenan uh, from, uh, from SNL does an oh, awesome yeah, yeah. big, does an he awesome does big poppy. poppy yeah. <laughs> um, maybe I'm hey. done for his job. That's right. That's right. Um, this wasn't on the agenda, but I want to talk about it because today's Boston Marathon Day. Um, if you want, so I think it was like one of our first episodes. We actually had Steve Peralt on um, from Section Ten Podcast, it was a Red Sox podcast. One of our first ever episodes. I think it was like episode fifteen. We kind of go in depth on like the important of the importance of the Patriots Day game and, and its connection to to Boston. 
uh, to, the, to the Boston Marathon. So if you want to go way back, we've gotten way better at podcasting since then. I went back and listened to it. It's a little cringy, but um, kind of a cool, kind of a cool interview, kind of a cool story there. Um, but I've never really talked about this and I don't think anybody's really talked about this story and I want to tell, I want to tell it. Um, so after the Boston marathon, obviously one of the bombs went off outside of, uh, marathon sports on Boylston and that store, that store shut down for a while. And, um, for obvious reasons, right. They needed repairs. Like the people that worked there were, uh, luckily nobody was like severely injured in the store. None of the employees were severely injury injured, but the, you know, they were traumatized, right. So they had to take some time off. Um, when that store reopened, um, they, they asked help from some of the brands and the reps that work in the area to come in and, and help work that store. They kind of replaced the glass, they fixed it up and everything. And so I was there on the day that marathon sports had, reopen. And I just kind of saw it as like this, you know, it, it was one of my accounts, they needed help, you know, they just had this traumatic, like crazy thing happen. Absolutely. I'm happy to give a helping hand. And there was a couple other reps there, a couple other brands there to, to, again, more than happy to help out this, this account that's so important to, to everybody, this, this store that's so important to the entire industry. And I'll never forget that day. Because and I'm just, I, I didn't tell Mike and Trent I was going to tell the story. And I, I actually haven't even thought of the story since until right now. But I'll never forget that day. The doors opened up and I'm just working the footwear floor, you know, helping sell shoes. And, the, you know, one of the first people that comes in sits down and, uh, and you know, to, to buy a pair of shoes. He, he just kind of, we open up the doors, he comes and sit down. And anybody that know, that's worked at a, a, at a running shoe store, and I'm sure we have plenty of listeners that have, you know, you kind of get a little small talk on, right? And you're, you're getting their size, you know, ask them what they want. And he said, where, you, you know, what are you training for? Where are you from? And then, you know, he's, when I said, where are you from? He goes, he goes, oh, I'm, I'm from, you know, I'm all the way from like, I think he said like uh, Stanford, Connecticut, like way out. And I was like, oh, you know, what, what brings you into, what brings you into Boston for, you know, today, you're on a trip or whatever. And he goes, no, I, I drove up this morning to support the store. And I was like, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, this is the first day you guys open. I drove up to to support the store. And and that's when it kind of hit me. I was like, oh, today might be kind of a very different type of day. Like, and the rest of the day, there was a line outside the door. The store, and anybody who's been in the marathon sports store before, it's this tiny little store. And the store was packed the entire day to the point where I was having trouble getting from the shoe wall where I was fitting people for shoes down into the, to the storeroom, like where they store all the shoes, the back room. Um, it, it was taking me like 15 minutes to get back just because of the, how many people were in there. And there were people coming from all over new England into the store to buy running shoes on that day. Not necessarily because they needed them, because they wanted to, they wanted to support the store. They knew something had happened, and they wanted to support the store. And it, it was one of these crazy things where, it, it just it spoke to like the power of the running community. They were like, you know, this is our sport. You don't mess with our sport. First off, and then the second thing was like, you know, something happened to like one of our own, our own, and we need to go. We need to show our support. We need to we need support. And like that was one of the you know, I've been, I've been in this industry for a very long time. And that was probably the coolest moment that I've ever had in this industry. It was from open to close. You could not move it with, because of the amount of people in there that were just coming from around new England 
to support the store on that day. So that's, I, you know, I, so I just, cool. it's just something I thought of in the moment I wanted to tell. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I think I, that's what I was thinking, Steve. It's like the, uh, that's classic running community, right? Like right. everyone kind of feels like we're in this together. The running community is always supporting those kinds of different efforts. Um, but yeah, like I remember because the, like glass windows and stuff like that literally like exploded through, oh, yeah. right? Like the whole, yep. everything was shattered. I mean, that was, the bomb was essentially like leaning up against like the, the pole outside of marathon sports, which is crazy. Um, but I, yeah, I would have loved to have, have seen what the store looked like. They must've been a pretty powerful day. I'll never forget, like just kind of wrapping up at the end of that day and nobody had expected that, right? Nobody expected that it was going to be that kind of day. It was just, Hey, we, we need some help, like bring in some people to kind of, to kind of help. And I remember just kind of like after there was a couple people from, you know, that work with marathon sport, not, not necessarily in that door, just being like, what just happened? That was, that was wild. Um, but yeah, anyways, it was a very, very cool moment. Okay. That, that next year too, I remember it was like record turnout, right. For Boston, everyone trying to get into it. I feel like that year was kind of a turning point where, you know, it was always about the marathon and it was always a super fun day. It was, it was like a Boston holiday. And then after that, it became that plus just like the community of it. It was like a Boston day now, like a true Boston day, a true running anyone in new England or anyone across the country really that has their eyes on it. Um, and just like moments like you just told Steve kind of exemplify that of how it just became more than a marathon, more than a day off from work and an early Red Sox game and like a true just pride for the, uh, the running community here. Yeah. How many people from Boston got into running, like decided they were going to train for a marathon just because it was like, a, you know, I want to su- support that, you know, everyone who went through that, I want to show up for my city. And it was like, you know, it felt like every person you talked to from Boston that year was like, oh yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm training for the marathon. Like I'm, I, you know, I want to, I want to do that this year. So yeah, I wonder how many people like it brought into the community, which is a weird like way to think about it. But I bet that was like the gateway for a lot of people to kind of get into it. Do you still think that they should have, that they shouldn't be wearing the Boston strong uniform? I told, I, I told you, I told you, I, I laid down my weapon. I, I okay. conceded my All argument. Right. Hey, right. he set it up for yeah, you gotta have, story. You gotta, you gotta have hot takes here. You know, you gotta, you know, spice it up a little bit. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's kick off the run news. All right. So, First piece of news here, we're going back to, uh, you know, one of our all-time favorite stories, Christian Coleman. So we all know, you know, an appeal went down after his two-year suspension taking him out of the Olympics. I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole again of everything. I feel like we've talked about it at nauseum. However, the appeal went through, and basically they said, because uh, if you remember, he, they, nobody ever called him like asking him because you have the hour to get your test done and nobody ever called him to say, Hey man, we're here to, to do this, this test. So because of that, they dropped down his suspension six months saying it's reasonable that he could, that he should be like expecting a call and they didn't call him. So it's reasonable that he could expect a call, but they only knocked it down six months. So he's obviously still missing the Olympics Gentlemen, what do we think? 
isn't this our whole point? Isn't yeah. this the thing that we've been screaming about? We've been screaming about since day one of this issue. It's like, yes, okay, there is a chance that, you know, he, he was dodging these and, you know, there's a chance he's guilty. But to take away the Olympics, to take away a potential gold medal from from somebody, you need to be sure. You need to be sure. And them admitting that it's reasonable to expect a call and to take time off of that, it validates everything we've been saying about this since day one. There, there could not have been a, another result that would leave me more salty than this. If they just stood, it, kept the 24 months as is, that stood, I would be like, fine, right? There was a reason for it. You're, you're being letter of the law here, and Christian Coleman was out. Where was he? He was Christmas shopping. Um, so he's at Chipotle. He's at Chipotle, right? Sorry, he was at Chipotle. If you're going to keep it there and just do letter of the law there and you're going to be super strict about it, I would, I would disagree with it. I have some questions. I want to know more but I could live with it. The fact that you're reducing it, like you're admitting you could have handled it differently. It just, it just like Steve said, it opens up the door to our whole argument that we've been making the whole time. I hate that they reduced it six months. Yeah. If, if they didn't do anything with it, they just said, sorry, you're, you're out of luck. We probably wouldn't even be talking about it today. Right. It's an old story and nobody really cares, but this to me and to everyone, this kind of is like them admitting guilt that they did not, do their job properly and like what a slap in the face to be like okay yeah we kind of screwed up but sorry buddy you're still out of the olympics here's six months of your career back that like literally doesn't matter at all it's just, it's it is it's salt in the wound is what it is yeah it's like the like trends the worst possible way you could have handled it. even if you thought that you were gonna you know could possibly reduce it i think you should have done everybody a favor and just said, nah, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and throw this appeal out because it, it does no good for anybody. And I think uh, we should, you know, probably get back on our Christian Coleman screaming now because they gave us a reason to get fired up again. We, we quieted down, you know, we, we were silenced and now we're going to rise back up again because of this. And there is, there is no take. There is, there is nothing that we say on this podcast that is more universally disagreed with than this take. Everybody hates us for this take. The, the fans hate us. The professional athletes hate us. But guess what? This is not how professional sports is supposed to operate, okay? And every time, every time that the sport of track and field, the sport of running does something like this where they're just like playing God with this situation – all of the other sports, all of the other major sports are moving a little bit further away from track and field. Track and field is admitting that we do not belong in this world of the, the major professional sports by doing this. You can't, you can't do this. You can't play God. You can't decide like, oh, like, you know, we're pretty sure this is going on without proof. That's not, that's not how this works, right? That's yeah. not how this works. Instead, we, sh instead we should be we should be celebrating Christian Coleman as a potential gold medal threat in the Olympics. Instead, we're getting this like, you know, BS whereabouts failure crap and, and getting him taken out of the Olympics and them admitting that, yeah, you know, we're not entirely sure about this. And, and there's been other cases, plenty of other cases where a uh, um, suspension has been completely thrown out because the evidence or the, process was mishandled so like where do you who gets to make that decision of like 
and where do you draw that line where it's like, oh, in one case, something was mishandled, so we're going to throw out the whole suspension. In this case, we're going to, you know, reduce the suspension that affects nothing. That's what the entire legal system is based on, right? Right. And, 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 you know, like I, I just mentioned, like we get, we, this is, this is like what we get the most hate for, but guess what? Two crew, I'm dying on this hill. Like our sport Forever. should not be like this. All right, let's move on. Last week we talked about some viral videos. We got some more to talk about today. So hilarious video. It was like a four by 200 meter, like a high school race. They're going down the anchor leg. This girl has a commanding lead. And from way back, as she's taking the final turn, a dog gets onto the track, bombs down the, the home stretch. And it, like photo finish, just like edges this girl out, kind of like trips her up right at the, the finish line. A hysterical video. There is so much to break down here. Let's, what, what do we got? What do we got here, gents? I mean, I was expecting the dog to, you know, you see the dog come out. It's cute. It's adorable. It's going to run around the infield or something, make a, make a little scene. But the dog, like, knew exactly what to do. He got in his lane, and he just bombed. And there was no way he was going to catch that, that whoever was in first place when he first gets on. He's got, like, a the, – the, the girl had, like, a 50-meter 50, you know, 50 lead on the dog. And the dog, leash, still attached, is just flying down and – like catches her right at the end the finishing kick was absolutely incredible he almost trips her up at the end which made it even better that this woman this girl's running down like the final you know part of her race here and she's got to worry about tripping over a leash of a dog uh this this was you know i'm i'm not really here you know finding viral videos that's not really my role with this podcast no uh, shit but <laughs> this thing made me laugh out loud like i, I might share this with people it was great so um i'm woke I'm woke on this video. I think that in a couple couple months we're gonna see the trailer to Air Airbud three drop. So, just that just, was my thought. I was like, how have we not had Airbud track? It's perfect <laughs> yeah. for it. He could do every yeah. event. He could be a decathlete. <laughs> I I actually I do love that take. That would. This would be. <laughs> I was hoping nobody's gonna steal it from me. That was my first thought. <laughs> All right. So, oh man, I I have so many thoughts about this video. Uh, the the performance by the dog undoubtedly is the best part of the video incredible and like uh, to be completely honest like a pretty respectful approach from the dog where he avoided all the other runners so many times when like a dog sees someone running they'll you know want to go and play with them so they get up and tangle up their legs for the most part the dog stayed out of everyone's way and didn't really trip up the girl until like her final step so it didn't impact her time or her performance really at all. So shout out to the dog for being respectful. But there were some, there had to have been some very, very angry people at this track because you are combining. Oh, those yellow jackets were pissed Steve, off. You are combining two of the most angry people on planet Earth. On one end, you have the people being on the track who aren't supposed to be on the track during a race people the get off the track, you know, and I've been that person at times, right? So that's a very angry person. And then the, you know, high horse, angry about dogs doing things they're not supposed to be doing people. That is a very angry, especially like the off leash dog, the dog running loose in a park or something like that, man, those are some angry people. So now those worlds are colliding. 
that might be the angriest person in the world. If you are both of those people at the same time, I would stay far and clear. So that track was probably a scary place on that day. It's the perfect storm of some of the yes. angriest oh, yeah. people on the planet. And what would fire that up, that person up even more is the fact that the crowd was clearly behind and rooting <laughs> yeah. for the dog. So there was just the <laughs> roar of the crowd. While you're the angry yellow jacket freaking out, trying to like catch this dog, you have the crowd just like roaring and just rooting in this dog on. And when the dog like gets the victory, the crowd is on fire. And if you're, if you're telling me the dog's not feeding off that energy. Oh, yeah. And the dog was loving it. They love being there. And it wasn't like, this wasn't some like, big like greyhound or i mean this was just like a little fluff ball who was like just a golden doodle flying yeah all right gentlemen that's all we got for the news all right so we are gonna get uh, hell, i'm just gonna say this i think over the next couple weeks things are gonna get weird on this podcast and i love it you know when the rest of the running world is gonna zig guess what peak too early is gonna zag and we're zagging right now we got isaac york's of the Brooks Beast on here. And Isaac is one of like the more interesting guys in the sport. We talk, we talk, you know, board games, we talk Dungeons and Dragons. We talked almost everything but running and I loved every second of it. Isaac's just a super interesting dude. I'm glad we had him on the podcast. Let's talk to him. Yeah, see, so you said um, it was a good thing you were working with someone who's done podcasts, and I didn't even have my <laughs> microphone system plugged into the computer, so it was running through my shitty headphones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't don't uh, worry, Mike. We, uh, I, I didn't mean we, to cut you off, Tim. No, you're good. We we were saying that uh, you know we we struggle with the technical stuff of the podcast, like literally every night, from microphones to computer stuff and then even mm -hmm. time zones are usually the big thing that gets us we actually weren't we're on an hour ago and steve's like oh shit i gave him the wrong time and we just scraped the time zone so it's all good we uh we're, we're all trial and error today but what i was gonna ask so steve was kind of talking about your um you know your your plethora of of hobbies right and mm -hmm. kind of the stuff that you do outside of the sport what what would you say is like the thing that you get your most passion out of outside of, outside of running right like that that thing that like kind of not defines you but like it, it is a huge part of your personality and that you get the most joy out of like partaking in yeah for sure um i think for me it is it's definitely storytelling i i love storytelling you you hear about people who say do the things that make you forget to sleep eat shit it, like and that's it for me so whether it's it could be um i grew up a theater nerd so it could be theater it could be podcasting um even something as nerdy and dumb as playing dungeons and dragons and collaborative storytelling um or writing uh that is that's just what enthralls me in any form i mean 
you, you express that in a lot of different ways. Like you just mentioned a few there, but what I'm trying to wrap my head around is, and even if it's like a passion for you, aren't you dead exhausted? Like, I feel like all the runners we know, they play video games during the middle of the day because they need some sort of just break. You're out there, you're writing books. I think you have like three books going on right now. You're, you're doing all sorts of different things. Um, mm. do, do you feel like you're, you know, burning the candle at both ends sometimes? Or, or, or do you feel, you know, good and energized throughout your days despite all the things you're doing? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, if I, not now, I wouldn't say I feel like I'm burning the candle at, at all ends. But when I was in college or when I first came out as a pro, I would tell myself, don't do all these things. And I didn't. I, I gradually worked into them because it's a lifestyle change. Um, and I'll be honest, while I never, I grew up playing a lot of video games, but I kind of phased out of them in college and, and I still love them, just don't really have the time for them. But that first year as a pro, man, I was dead exhausted, partially because I thought, oh, you're, you just signed as a pro. Why don't you try being vegan? That was a dumb idea for me. Um, <laughs> that made me even more tired. But um, to like, you just get, you get really set in your ways. You, you get used to sitting on the couch watching Netflix and then there is some level of being fatigued and then it also kind of becomes like a feedback loop where it's like, I did a workout. And in the same way you like maybe reward yourself with a dessert or whatever, um, after a hard workout, you kind of reward yourself by being lazy. And, and, and actually I take that back. It's not necessarily being lazy, um, but like resting and then watching whatever you, we all have these patterns we fall into. And it's, it's a matter of kind of reprogramming it and figuring out how to overcome that. And so for me, I mean, like, Hey, writing takes me about four hours a day, but like, I'm not running around doing anything. Like I'm, I'm sitting there, like I put my feet up. If I get uncomfortable, I can stand. So it, it's really just kind of reworking things around. And, um, we've all done it. Like we've all been student athletes in college and, uh, yeah, it, it's, and, and, and it wax and wanes, right? So like you, you can burn the candle at both ends, but, um, like for example, when I go to races, usually the day before a race, sometimes two days out, I just, I don't do anything. That's like when I'm like, Oh, it's time to watch Netflix. Cause it does take a mental toll. So, uh, I, I don't know if that's quite an answer, but hope that no, helps. Totally, totally makes sense. And I also think it's like, it's a really interesting perspective on it. And I can see how that same kind of just like mental mindset you have is probably helping you in your running career directly. We're able to like reframe it and not just say, Oh, I'm tired. I'm just going to chill. I'm sure the same thing happens in workouts, right? Where you kind of reframe that uh, and feel toasted right now, but I'm going to reframe my mental energy and just be ready to go for that like last set or something. So it probably carries over in like everything you're doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to add on to that, you're totally right. That's one of the things that, that type of mindset is something I notice a lot of successful people in sport and across the spectrum have is this ability to reframe and then have a mindset that shifts a negative experience or something that they might perceive as negative in a way that can be positive and build off of it. So you, 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 you mentioned it earlier and it's something I, I definitely want to dive into that you're kind of one of your first passions was, was acting. And I think you even, I even heard you say that it was where you got your first paycheck was from acting. <laughs> so mm -hmm. what can you tell us, how did you get started in acting and, and, and what was, what does paycheck come from? How did you get paid to be an actor? 
Yeah. So uh, the start with with acting, um, I gosh, I was probably about five or six. I don't remember. Uh, but we, my dad was in the military, so we we grew up in Tacoma, Washington, which is just about forty miles south of Seattle. Um, but there's a huge military base there. So anyone who gets out of the military gets out there. And and Tacoma, Lakewood, Washington is not an exciting place. So what one of the things we would do that was quote unquote exciting, which it was as a kid, was you'd go see the local place. Um, and for poor families, they let you kind of come in for next to nothing. So that was my first introduction. And, and um, I think I've always kind of had this mindset where if I see something that someone else is doing, I'm like, that's cool. There's nothing that's going to stop me from trying or doing it. And so I, as early as like that age, I saw people acting and well, five-year-old me was like, I want to do that. And uh, my dad's like, okay, let's make it happen. So we, we marched on down, uh, waited for everyone to leave and then went and found the director and was like, how do we get involved? And that was kind of my start. Um, and uh, from there, yeah, it, it kind of like scaled naturally. And um, I mean, up to the point where at one point I thought I was going to go to a private school for theater and go to college for theater. And uh, I think it was when I was somewhere in my teenage years, like younger though, um, probably somewhere between eighth grade and sophomore year, I um, thought I'd go for the quote unquote big leagues in the area and uh, try out for one of the, um, it was a Shakespeare play. I think it was called the Merry Wives of Windsor. And uh, yeah, there was no kids trying out for it. And I was just like, I heard that they were paying people. And so I was like, I'm going to go do it. And lo and behold, I got the part and uh, it was pretty cool. It wasn't much, but they, that was my first paycheck. Is, and I still have it framed was uh, after we did our first open house, they wrote everyone a paycheck and me as well. And it was awesome. So wait, you framed it? You didn't cash it? Uh, that wasn't my choice. That was my dad's choice. He was like, you're going to love this as a memory. And I, and I, to this day, I'm like, I would love that in an account somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah is, it, is it too late to cash that thing now? Should we break that thing open? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the, theater, the theater would be pretty heartbroken when like 20 years later, 10 years later, whatever, something, just a big chunk of money comes out of their bank account. But yeah i don't know is it is there a time limit on that sort of stuff probably who knows oh there's uh, i'm the guy that's like lost some checks before there's definitely a time (laughs) limit you got to call people it's awkward there's like a like a four-month time limit on it so i'm sorry could you imagine that but 13 year old hey um i'm turning 27 this year i'd like to cash this check 13 years ago (laughs) they should send it to you So that is a pretty that is, but that is a pretty cool like you know uh, memory or kind of you know something to have you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. I, I, I as much as it would have been nice to have that money as a thirteen year old it is kind of cool yeah yeah I agree so kind of like talking about all your hobbies here and your writing and and theater and stuff like that and this might seem like kind of a weird question but for you you know running is your job right I mean that's that's where you get your paychecks now, right? I'm sure you're not framing those ones, but that's where you get your paycheck now. Do you love running like you love these other hobbies? Because I think it's okay if you don't, right? Like those are your, your passions and that's your job. But I, I wonder about those things when people have so many passions, so many things that they, they care about. It, do you love your job in that way as well? 
You know, I, I don't think I do. And, and yeah. it took me a long time to come to grips with that, especially because there are people on my team and I, I would actually say probably the majority of professional athletes love what they're doing in that way. And, and I've never quite had that. I mean, look, I, I'll be honest. I really don't like running that much. And, um, but it's really good for me. And what I, I love a certain aspect about it. Um, in, if not in the same way, like 99% the same way, I love storytelling. And it is the idea of being competitive and making myself better each time. And what's nice about running, right, is you have a metric is you're better because you beat X, you got a PR, you won this race. And so I am completely enthralled with making a better product of myself and being able to look back and say, like, I did that. Um, and so I think yes and no, just in a different way. Like I don't have like that holistic passion. Yeah. You know, I, I and I, I appreciate your honesty on that. Cause I, I feel like a lot of people, even though they might not feel that way, wouldn't, wouldn't give that answer. Right. Cause you don't want to sound like, Oh yeah, I don't love, I don't love running or anything like that. But no, I, I appreciate the honesty. And I guess my like second part of that is I, I'm very much somebody who I don't like to let my personal life, and my hobbies overlap with my career and my job. I like to keep those two things very separately. Do you ever like let those things mesh together? Like I'm thinking about like your writing, right? Like, do you ever write about running or is that like, that's often that's like, I don't even like running. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna write about it when I'm done with practice. Boom. That's it. Yeah. So, um, I think I have a little bit of a line in the sand, but no, I, that wouldn't stop me. You see where I wouldn't write about run, like running is I wouldn't write a memoir because I, I, I don't know, like a lot of athletes write memoirs and uh, that's just not my talent, but I'm also just not interested in writing nonfiction. You see where I'd write about running is it would be like some cyberpunk futuristic theme where it's a death race where you're jumping over skyscrapers, right? And you're busting through and the guy next to you pulls out a Gatling gun and you have no freaking idea where he came from. That that's how it would overlap. Um, and I think we should, I, I think we should do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> hey, well, you know, if you can uh, connect me with a publisher and maybe we can get it made into a movie, I'll come <laughs> up with the ideas, but um, on a, like that, that is a real answer, but on a deeper answer, um, I have actually made the decision to start combining these two worlds a little bit more um, because coming from the background that I do and then having a little bit, not having that history of having an athletic background um, growing up, I don't, I don't have the, quite the same passions or things that I grasp onto. Um, and for a long time as a professional athlete in the college athlete uh I, I felt very alone in that like i had to have these two separate lives because i wouldn't be accepted um and i know i cannot be the only one out there and uh so it's been a very conscious decision as of late to start bringing those two worlds closer and closer together and showing like hey there is a space for people like you um with similar interests yeah i, I think that's i think that's super interesting and i and i absolutely think you should do that but and, and I think that the your platform as a professional athlete is going to give you the ability to reach those people, right? And I do think that those people are out there. And I think you have the ability to kind of connect with people, um, you know, whether they be runners or that, you know, you're able to branch off to, to other areas um, to, to reach people that you wouldn't have if it wasn't for this, this sport. So I, I, I definitely encourage you to, to keep going with that. 
Hey, well, you know, nerds got to support nerds. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to make it happen. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I will say, I think the three of us, me, Mike, and Trent, the one thing that, you know, we, we, we bond over, while we have a, a running focused podcast, I think we all kind of hate the sport and a lot that yeah. comes with the sport. <laughs> what we love about the sport is we love the competition side and we love the camaraderie of being on a team. But okay. more often than not, we, we kind of complain about how we, we, uh, we, we hate certain aspects of the sport. So we're right there with you. Yeah, running mm. stinks. <laughs> now, see, now, now, I'm curious, but uh, and I, I, I can't. I want to know more about that. But well, you know, so I, you know, I think that it's that it's the the competition side and making yourself better that that we love. Um, and then the other piece of it is we loved being on a team. Like we loved being part of the cross country team. We loved being part of the the track team, hanging out before and after practice, celebrating the wins. Um, and then we're going to go complain about the long run that we have to go on every single step of the way. Right. Well, mm-hmm. let me put it this way, Isaac, if I was good enough at basketball to, you know, play college basketball, I probably would have done that instead of, you know, college track. That's, that's oh, kind of yeah. how I feel about it. I love to be a part of a team. I love the competition, but the sport, you know, not always my favorite. <laughs> it just happened to be the one that I, you know, could run do in college. I, th- I think we all might be in that situation. Um, yeah. I mean, if I could have played football, I would have played football yeah. for sure. <laughs> and uh, that's actually funny. Cause that's exactly how I feel. Like what we were talking about earlier, it's just the, the competition and being better and winning is awesome. That being said, that's what I'm addicted to. Not necessarily the running. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's right. Um, and, and so you, you talked about the storytelling and kind of this, this creative piece. Um, and I, I checked it out earlier today, but you have a podcast. You're a fellow podcaster. Uh, Starlight, is that, the, is that the name of it? Starlight? It is. It is super nerdy, but super fun. Well, no, but I, I checked it out. And it, it, yes, it was super nerdy, but it was, it was pretty interesting. And it's very well done. And it's pretty cool. And, it, and it's essentially like a, um, you're, you're, you're recording like a, a, a D&D game, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically what it is, is it's, um, it's collaborative storytelling. And Starlight in specific is, um, it is space opera. So there's no, like the science fiction doesn't make any sense. Um, but you are using dice, math rocks to in tandem with a character sheet and then everything else is open like anyone can the it feels like there are no rules there are a lot of rules but you can basically try and do anything you want and then you have one person who's leading the game the game master the gm and they are essentially your computer who has memorized the rules and is using all of the results and everything like that um in tandem to figure out what direction things are going and uh, it's, an, it's an extremely fun um, improvisational game as well as a tactical game. And, and uh, it's, even, it's really fun putting it into sound. Um, and the, the genre is called actual play, which is a subgenre of audio uh, drama. Um, and I mean, for me, I first heard my first actual play um, two years ago. And uh, not too, not too different from my attitude with a lot of things. I was like, I can do that and I, I can do it better. I just need time. 
And uh, what I found was a lot of other podcasts in the genre, um, they just kind of point and record and then put it up there. And I was just, I, I wanted something that was story driven, that had immersive soundscapes and that when you put the headphones into your ear, you were transported into this different world and all the table talk was cut out. Only the important dice rolls were kept in and the narrative was always moving. Um, and you could like, if you closed your eyes, you could almost see the things in front of you and believe you were there and that didn't exist. So just taking all those things, I just said, we're going to do this and it's going to be really bad at the start and we're going to figure out how to get it to where we want it to go. So it's very cool. I mean, it is, like you said, it is, it, there's the, there's the aspect of kind of playing the game and the rolling, but you do such a good job with the audio and like kind of making you feel like you're in the scenes just by like the sounds that you're adding and the music that you're adding. Very well done. Very cool. And as somebody like, I've never played the game before, but listening kind of made me want to play. It was, it was cool. Oh, it's all, it's always worth it. You should, I think everyone should, should play at least once. And, uh, if you guys ever want to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons, just hit me up. I I will lead you guys through a game for sure. First of um, all, I am I'm all in on that. Yeah, let's let's do that. I think we should do a little podcast collab, and we'll we'll get a Dungeons and Dragons game going. And and on that note, like have have you pushed your uh, your teammates into getting into a game? Because I'm I'm thinking to myself, there's probably a few of them that would be brutal to lead a Dungeons and Dragons game of. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i think basically every single person has played the fun they all have like you can kind of figure out based on their personalities in real life how they would play like or is it the class clown or is it the guy who wants like a serious story um but the what's really funny about it is you know we have people on the team that you would never think would ever play dungeons and dragons and when i talked to them about it and they heard about it they were like ah that sounds so dumb and then every single one has walked out of the room just loving it, having maybe not necessarily becoming like a person who wants to always play, but like walked out saying that was an amazing experience. And, uh, and that's what I'm always looking for. I mean, you call, you call like your podcast pretty nerdy, but I mean, running podcasts can also be very nerdy. I mean, Mike and I ran <laughs> a college. We, we were playing like Yu-Gi-Oh after our, you know, workout sometimes. That was like our <laughs> nighttime thing. So there's definitely an overlap, I think, between the two communities um, that between, you know, people that might be into that and people that mean the running. Like, do you see like a, a clear difference between people that are maybe like tuning into you for running and tuning into you for like Dungeons Dragon thing? Or is there is there some overlap between them? I think um, right now, I think that they're pretty separate. I, I think that it's going to start kind of coming together more and more. But um, when we started, like, I knew nothing about audio engineering. And you, like, I think it's, it's literally our pilot episode up through, like, the sixth one uh, episode or seventh. And no, it's, it's the pilot through the 11th or something like that, where the audio is just not great. It gets gradually better. And so I honestly think the audio was so bad because I was literally like messaging audio engineers, begging them to teach me how to do things that that probably turned off a lot of people. And you only got like the hardcore people who are really into it. But now that it is, it's just it really is in an immersive cinematic place. I think that we'll start to see more people coming in and which will be awesome because uh, I like to see people happy. And I mean, telling stories in any format leaves has 
it's tried as it's as old as time, man. Like uh, people love it. And um, yeah. But let me tell you something. We, <laughs> when we started this podcast, <laughs> we, I don't, it, it, you would think that none of us had even touched a computer before in our life. I mean, we just have no idea what we're doing. I literally had to take the first five episodes of our show completely off of the internet. You can't find them anywhere <laughs> because the audio was so unbearable that to your point, like I think we lost potential listeners because if they find us and they look at that first episode, just like you can't even hear what we're saying. It's so brutal to listen to. I was like, we need to get rid of these before we keep losing people listening to our show because our audio was so bad. So I totally get the struggle of like trying to figure it out <laughs> as you're going. Yeah, I don't, I like, for a lot of those early ones, and I, I wonder if you guys felt the same way, but I I felt like I was in a uh, caveman with a keyboard, just slamming <laughs> yeah, it into my yes. head with the record button, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> which is very humbling when you get really good at one thing, and then you realize how bad you are at other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we had to use like, like Mike had his Mike had his microphone working. Trent had his like microphone on his headphones working, and I had to like scream into my laptop because we couldn't. Get, it was so bad. It was. It was. <laughs> Anyways, before we let you go, you know, I know that you know this is a you know so running focus podcast. Like I mm-hmm. said earlier, I do want to hear like your goals for the upcoming year and like where you see like your yourself going as a, as a runner over the next six months. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, so my, I'll do both goals on a micro and macro level, um, with the, the obvious macro being Olympics, Olympic finals. Uh, I've had to really pull back everything to a micro level because, um, following 2018, I found myself on the first plateau, like I've ever, that I've ever experienced as an athlete, as well as kind of my first, um, injury and dealing with that for, you know, two years really tested me as an athlete and more of my resolve. And I mean, into last year, I almost just pulled the plug and said I was done. And, uh, but there's just like that little itch that always kind of kept me going. Like you, you won't sleep well years from now doing that. Um, and so for a long time, my goal was like a goal of just like, get up the next day. And, uh, and, and this is all in terms of just running, like, and get out the door and just get through the day. And that's a win. And, and that was a really rough time. And now as I can, I feel this leaf turning, um, and things that feel like they're about to change it's been a goal of what can you do better than you did last week? Um, and sometimes that's how can you execute this workout better than you did last week? How, and then you can't, obviously you can't always do that every single week. So what can you do to recover better or mentally, how can you frame things better? And, uh, so that was kind of my goal at the start of the season when I sat down with coach Mackey and, he, I think he was pretty worried when I said that because everyone else had these huge goals. And I was just like, look, the, the week by week goal, what I can do better with a plan and knowing what we need to do is going to get me there. Like, you have to trust me. And I, he, he definitely did. And, um, and it, it felt weird saying that in front of my teammates who 
all had these like amazing goals and knowing that mine were probably like in some way sounded the most humble or not believing in myself. Um, but it really kind of pulled things back so that I could do that. And now that has worked so well that I don't think I was, I'm going to ever let that go. So it's still there, but um, now I've kind of come to a point where it's like, I think I can start racing like I did in 2018, 2016 and like getting back on top of the world. And so it's for me, as I came off an injury from 2020 and had a slow build, we're about to leave for altitude and back to Albuquerque in another 13, 14 days. And our first altitude trip, I wanted to come out of that, um, able to work out with the guys. And I surpassed that goal was able to do more and work out with them. Now I feel like I'm going in on equal footing and this is kind of where like the nose meets the grindstone. Like this altitude trip is no longer like that kind of fall feeling. It's like the calm right before the storm where you just, you're kind of working probably I'm going to do a lot less work on books and stuff like that. But uh, it's all to get me ready for my goal of going into May and then just getting race sharp, um, trial by fire, getting those instincts honed in. Um, and then going into the, the trials again on a micro level goal, it's, uh, you don't need to, um, it's recognizing what do you need to do to keep advancing? And so whether it's six or five or seven people through each round, it's, you don't need to win. You need to get at that little cue at the very least. You need to get a big cue, whatever. And then it's doing that through each round. And then it's getting to the finals and recognizing three go. What is your dream? Is it to be the guy who went for first and then floundered with 50 meters to go? Or is your dream to make the Olympics and go to finals and show everyone that that's the one that matters to you? And that's, that's what my goal is. So it's racing to get, uh, at least third. It's, it's not necessarily to try and win and kind of like having this strategy and tactical minded, um, this tactic, tactic mindset going into things is like, what is the overall strategy and what are the little things and to get there? Um, and so, yeah, I think I kind of got that from, uh, my dad's military background and, um, a few other podcasts that I like to listen to. And so it's a little ephemeral, but that's how I'm taking on the rest of the season. Yeah. I love that. It, and it makes sense, right? If you're, like you said, if you hit that plateau, it, it can kind of like, it can almost be like daunting to put out these big goals when it's just like, man, I'm just trying to get a little bit better than I was yesterday. And I think putting those like small, like manageable, like bite-sized goals in front of you is the way to kind of bust out of that. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, man. I, for anyone else who's like going through that, like it, the moment I started shifting my mindset to that versus these Herculean efforts, it made getting out the door that much easier. And it, uh, in a weird way, it also kind of brings back a little bit of like that, that, uh, high school luster to it where like every little thing you get a little excited about, like, cause you just, you don't know any better in high school. And then you, at my point, it's like, this is exciting because this is progress. 
I, I got no idea what your fitness level is, you know, in reality, but you sound ready. I mean, whatever framework you had going into, you know, like, like you're talking about Coach Mackey having a little bit of different goals. And I was watching some things, you know, you had on Instagram earlier. Uh, I don't know. You look ready to me. So I'm ready to see you come out this spring and I'm excited to see what you're going to do on the track. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. So Isaac, before we let you go, we end every interview with a quick game. Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Yeah, so down the home stretch, we're going to hit you some rapid-fire questions. We kind of touched Oof. upon it a little bit earlier, but we're going we're gonna to hit you with acting questions. So oh, Trent's no. going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. All right, Isaac. Everybody always asks, like, who would play you in your biopic? But who do you want to play in a biopic? Pick somebody that you would play in a movie. Oh, that's easy. Nick Cage, man, because he's in so many bad movies that I, I get an excuse to do bad. <laughs> <laughs> Trent just knocked out two questions with one there. Oh, sorry. Uh, just kidding. What's your favorite movie? Oh man, favorite movie, dude. Uh, or oh, brother, where art thou? Where art thou? Okay. Uh, can you do impressions? And if you can, what's your best impression? No, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot do <laughs> impressions. <laughs> it's so I'm so bad at that sort of stuff. We'll work on that. Um, all right. If you were, if you were an actor, would you be like hardcore doing like, like off Broadway stuff in New York city, or are you just selling out and being on like CSI season 52? <laughs> I mean, I I'm not picky. I'd probably sell out if I got that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <That's smart>. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, I was going to ask some version of that. So I'm scrambling here. I'm taking all Steve's today. Oh, okay, okay. So your acting career is over. You retire, and you uh, you're you're going back to the theater. What play do you want to be in? What would be your like go-to play that you would want to be in? Oh man, um, go-to play I want to be in. Les Mis. Uh, I know it's controversial. A lot of people didn't like Les Mis the movie, but I'm a huge fan of it. Do you ever use your like acting ability around the team kind of to like manipulate people or, you know, you know, get, get your way every once in a while? Uh, no, 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 no. I would, I would if it were me. But the thing is, is we have uh, David Ribich on the team and he already <laughs> does all of that. So we can't have two. <laughs> I want to, I want to riff off that one. Are you an awesome prank caller? Did you used to just crush prank calls in high school and stuff? No, I never, I, I've never done a prank call with me, but I did do a lot of the, like, you called like two pizza stores and you put oh, the yeah. phones on top of each uh, other. And yeah, that's yeah, a I love that. Prank. Classic. <laughs> What's your goat? So you're, 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 it's Friday night. You got nothing going on. You just throw on Netflix or whatever you got. What's your go-to genre? Oh man, it's uh, if it's it's just me, right? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely it's um, anime, but not just any anime. I'm so disappointed to say it's it's anime romance. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. It's really sad, but no, I be like proud of stories. it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. All right, who is your all-time favorite actor slash actress? Um, 
probably Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Good answer. That's a great one. Trying to hit him with the last question. All right. Uh, let's get edgy with this one. All right. Uh, <laughs> what? Pick any actress in the world for you to be romantically involved with on film. Oh man. Um, you see, so this is this is a big problem I have. Is I don't I don't remember a lot of actors or actresses' names. So we're just gonna have you're gonna have to help me here. But she played um, Black Widow in the Avengers. I'm on, I'm on IMDb right now. Here we go. Come on, try help us out. Help us out. The the film crush you have is Natalia Alyanovna Romanoff. Oh man, you gave me a hard one to say. <laughs> is, are you, is that a Romanoff, character name? Natasha Romanoff. Okay. I'm thinking that's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> now keep it. He did a great job. <laughs> Isaac, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Good luck and everything you got going on. Good luck going into the trials. We're going to be rooting for you. Dude, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Trent. Thank you, Mac. Mike. Sorry, not Mac. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a real pleasure. Thanks again to Isaac for coming on. We are holding him to playing Dungeons and Jack Dragons. Like we are absolutely oh, going to yeah. do that. Okay. That sounds Big like time. a ton of fun. I do want to give props to Mike for his question on asking if like Isaac enjoys the sport of running. And I, I also want to give props to Isaac for being like super honest with it. Right. Like, and I think that if a lot of runners were, uh, and I think you're going to find this more often in the, pros than just like your regular hobby joggers but being honest like feeling comfortable enough to answer that being like no I, i'm not sure i'm in love with the sport so credit yeah, to you, i Mike. think i think you know it's you know just a just a professional out here no big deal but I, I think there's a lot of people who feel that way and to your point like maybe uh are hesitant to be open about it so it was very refreshing to hear because I think we've all at times felt like we are not in love with the sport. Maybe not all the time, not hundred percent time, but I know there are plenty of times in my career that I certainly was not in love with the sport. Refreshing's the word. Refreshing yes. is the word. Definitely refreshing. So um guys, we have like we are about just a little less than a month out from the mileage showdown. We were kind of talking about it at the top of the show where Mike just hasn't been training. Uh, Mike's on pace I've been, to continue. I've been crafting, his... I've been crafting a well thought out plan, Steve, which a lot of people, including myself, believe a plan is half of the battle. So you guys wow. probably rushed your plan. Didn't really think about it much. I've been taking time to really dive into it and do some research and figure out how I was going to approach this training cycle. I mean, you're just, you're just on a path to like finish third out of three people. Like how many, how many competitions in a row is this now? Is this all of them? Mike I'm went taking out. a different, taking a different approach this time. Mike went out, he bought, you know, six pairs of split shorts and then six pairs of, and one basketball shorts to wear over those split shorts. So he's just yep, getting his right. wardrobe ready to go. That's, that's an important step for him. I played some golf this weekend and I walked. So 
That's part of the plan. Did you push the car? Or did you hold your bag? Oh, I carried that sucker. Carried it the whole nine holes. A couple beers in there too. Uh, yeah. That's weight. That's a lot of weight. That, oh, that's true. good point. Training, good point. I right? you got to hold those. That yeah. one. Didn't know how you were going to spin that one, but yeah, yeah, that works. So everybody that's thinking of uh, that they might want to participate in this, just uh, uh, kind of giving you some more details. There will be some more details drop, like specific details dropping soon. I think we're going to put out a video in the next week about kind of what's going on. But it's going to be on Memorial Day weekend. But I think we might open like this competition up to like the week leading up to more Memorial Day weekend, or maybe we'll open it up a couple days before if anybody can't do it over that weekend but i'm actually in the works of putting together a pretty cool prize for the winner of this competition um so you're gonna if you if if you're thinking like you might want to participate you're gonna want it because i'm telling you the prize is gonna be awesome so i'm working on it be be warned though I, i recently ran the numbers on this it's it's 48 miles in two days, which for some reason I did not have that number in my head. I don't know if this is something that you guys have known for a while. This would add up to be 48 miles. I thought it'd be considerably less. But when someone pointed that out to me, I thought, okay, I'm going to need to uh, step up that long run maybe, just make sure I'm a little more ready to go. Uh, but everyone, just, just do the math ahead of time before you think of your training program. See, this is why you needed to do planning beforehand, unlike, you know, like that I was doing. I'm, you know, I'm a math guy. I crunched those numbers a long time ago. I was, I was, uh, I was pretty sure it added up to 48 trends. <laughs> you got the Bill Belichick of the, uh, of the P2E mile challenge over right. here. And just, and for those that you didn't listen, are you unclear of like what exactly we're doing? We're doing the David Goggins four by four by 48, but the twist, the peak early twist on it is we're going, going to be combining all of the times from, uh, from all of those four mile runs and the fastest combined times over that 48 miles is going to win. And so me, Mike and Trent are actually going to be in a house together competing over the 48, uh, 48 hours. Um, every single four mile race is going to be a battle. It's, it's going to be some good content. So you're going to want to pay attention, but if you want to participate along with us, it's, it's going to be a good time. So any other thoughts on that gentlemen? No more thoughts. Mm-mm. We got, and I, I will, I dropped this teaser last week. There will be some pretty cool two crew, two crew merch coming along with that. I just, I just finalized the design, the purchasing, everything. So those are getting made right now. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss that. All right, Mike, let's kick off the bell app. All right. So I want to give a, a warning to the people here, Steve, this weekend that I did a thing and I, uh, you know, decided I was going to mess around a little bit in, in day trade on some, some Dogecoin, you know, the people, the people are telling me all about Dogecoin. I'm, I'm hearing, you know, Dogecoin is hot in the street. So, you know, I figured eh, I would see what it's all about. And let me tell you what, Steve, I, uh, you know, bought a little bit and I, when I, I don't remember what I was doing. I left somewhere for an hour. Maybe went out to dinner or something like that. By the time I came back and checked my phone, I was up like $400. It's like, oh boy, we're in this. Let's do it. So I was getting into it. Made, made quite a bit of profit. And then in like an hour on Sunday, 
it all went back down to even very quickly. So my Dogecoin um, career lasted about 48 hours. I'm officially retired. It was exhilarating, exciting, and terrifying all at the same time. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs> oh, boy. The Dogecoin is, is uh, yeah, not, not, I, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think many financial advisors would. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? I think we need to start around cryptocurrency and yeah. start transacting that. I think we would do well with that. But I just want to say ciao and buongiorno to the people. <laughs> I am in uh, Italy right now. I'm in Rome with some teammates. It was uh, ran a little marathon relay race put on by the Heartbreakers Running Club in Rome. So it was uh, Caitlin and Ned and Hannah and Megan. Um, and it just feels good to be on vacation, but to take some time out of the vacation and talk to you guys um, before I go do a, another uh, a run around the Coliseum here. You know what they say, when in Rome. That's right, when in Rome, podcast. So for those of you that saw that picture, that was the Harvard football stadium, I believe, <laughs> not not Rome. So, And the amount of like DMs we got being like, is Trent really on fucking vacation in Rome again? Like It was hilarious. They kept coming in. I loved it. Uh, but anyways, uh, good stuff. I'm just going to end by saying again, hey, we had a run of like, five-star reviews and reviews on iTunes going like pretty steadily for a long time, but it seems to have come to a halt and we need your help. So if you like, if you like what we're doing here at all, give us a five-star review, leave a review in the comments on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, if you don't have an Apple phone, first off, Get your, get your green, if you don't have an Apple iPhone, get your green bubbles out of my face. Like, I don't know if I can be friends with you unless you give me, send me blue bubbles. But get somebody's iPhone, just put a five-star review in for us. Just, just, just go on the podcast app, give us five five-star review. It'll be super helpful. When we get to 300 reviews, I thought we'd be there by now, to be honest, but we're not even close. You know, we were, it looked like we were going to be there by now. But when we get to 300 reviews, we're going to get, a peak too early tattoo and it's going to be one of the tattoos recommended in the review section so put your ideas for a peak too early tattoo in the comments it'd be super helpful and that boys I would run faster right peak too early Mike hit me with the Josie Josie's on a vacation